Okay, we're in Kings 2, and we're beginning Kings 2, chapter 1, and this first chapter, right away, deals with Chaziyahu, son of Achav, and so did the last few verses of the end of Kings 1. In our last year, we already started to deal with the Chaziyahu, the son of Ahab, and now we're just continuing, and that's why the original Jewish Bible, there was no such thing as Kings 1 and Kings 2, it was just Kings. And there was no Samuel 1 and Samuel 2. It was just Samuel. And the same thing with Chronicles. It's the Christians who broke up the chapters of the Bible differently. And they also broke up broke up kings to Kings 1 and 2 and Samuel into 1 and 2. And so, so too with Chronicles. They turned it into Chronicles 1 and Chronicles 2. But originally, it wasn't like that. And the Jews eventually adopt the Christian breakup. As you see in the Jewish Bible, it's broken up into... Uh, one and two, and the chapters are broken up according to the Christian way. That's what happened when they went to the printing press. It basically all became the same breakup. But uh, you can see from here that originally it was just one book of Kings because we're just continuing with the Chaziyahu where we left off. So it says in verse one, And Moab rebelled against Israel after Achav's death. So with King Ahab's death, and he was the mighty king for 22 years, he had subjugated many nations. And after his death, the kingdom of Israel lost a little of their deterrent factor. And Moab, he rebels. That means they stop paying tribute. They're trying not to be subjugated to the kingdom of Israel anymore. Obviously, they see it's an opportune time with Ahab out of the way. And Ahaziahu, his son, is nowhere near Ahab's level. So they rebel. And now we said in verse 2, So Achaziyahu, and of course he's the son of Achav, he fell through the, um, like a screen in the upper part of his house. Some say he fell through the roof, or he fell through us on a staircase. In any case, we're talking about a freak accident in his home, not in a battle or anything, in battle or anything like that. And he just, so had some kind of accident, falling uh, from upstairs to downstairs. Bishamron, he was in his Sumerian house. Vayechel, and he became very, very ill. So he's become ill. And what does he want to do now? Vayishlach malachim. So he sent messengers. Vayomor aleim. And he told to the messengers like this. Go and inquire from the Baal Zvuv. Elokei Akron, which is the God of Ekron, im So he wants to know if he's going to recover from his illness. He's been badly hurt, and he fears for his life. So he's going to inquire from this deity called the Balzvuv, which literally means Lord of the Flies. <laughs> That's what Balzvuv means. Uh, Zvuv is a fly, and he's the God of Ekron. So Ekron is the area of the Philistines in the south of Israel, and there's a lot of commentary what is this Balzvuv, what it could be so one of the commentaries the Dat Mikra says that because the Philistines are in a hot area near the sea there's a lot of flies and so they were uh, into this like deity that healed them it was like the healing god from sicknesses from flies called malaria or whatever and Achaziyahu he wants to uh, inquire of this Balzvuv, so maybe it can cure him or to tell him what's going to happen. Now, we see on the low level that Achaziah was on, you know, even when, when Achav was uh, rebuked or he was punished, he 
He had pangs of repentance all the time. He was always uh, on the borderline of doing shuva. But we see here that his son, Chaziyahu, he doesn't have any pangs of repentance of tshuva. He goes right to the Balzvuv. He doesn't even think about turning to the Jewish prophets. And of course, remember, he's not only the son of Achav, he's the son of Jezebel. So he's got a lot of Jezebel in him, we see. He doesn't have any of the redeeming qualities that his father Achav has. So he's going to inquire of the Balzvuv. So now we have verse 3. Vamalach Hashem diber el Eliyahu and a angel of the Lord spoke to Eliyahu Hatishbi. We call him Eliyahu Hatishbi because he was at a place called Toshav. And the, and the um, angel said, Go and arise towards the kings of Samaria's messengers and tell them, So tell these messengers of, of uh, Achazayahu, what, there's no God in Israel that you have to go and inquire of the Balzvuv, the God of Ekron? So now we see Eliyahu going on a mission. We haven't seen him for a while. We know that Mechiah ben Yimla was acting as prophet for a while. We saw a little bit of Elisha introduced. But in here, Eliyahu is back. Interesting though, even though the English calls him Elijah, in Hebrew, it's Eliyah, not Eliyahu. They took out the Vav at the end and they call him Eliyah many times in this chapter. So it could be that he has two names. Maybe his regular name is Eliyah. And sometimes, sometimes it's Eliyahu. And maybe because he's out of commission for a while. He's been out of commission. He's just like more of a uh, per, uh, single prophet, not with the, uh, a public mission. And he, for a while, his name is back to Eliyahu. And the Eliyahu maybe comes to signify a more uh, collective mission. In any case, we see that just like Yonatan in the Bible is a Yehonatan with an hey, and sometimes it's not a hey. We're going to see here that it's going to change in this chapter. Sometimes he'll be Eliyah, sometimes he'll be called Eliyahu. In any case, the English remains uh, Elijah because there's no way in English you're going to translate that little change, but obviously it's significant if they're leaving out that vav. And so it's going to come back, that vav, and he'll be Eliyahu again. In the meantime, they're calling him Eliyah. And he is now going to arise and tell the messengers of Chaziyahu that, what are you doing going to the Balzvuv? There's no God in Israel? Because obviously it's a Chil Hashem, it's a, sacri- it's a desecration of God's name, that the king of Israel doesn't turn towards the Jewish God, but has to go all the way to the Philistine country to ask and therefore, he's going to be rebuked. But it's interesting that Elijah is not going to approach Achaziahu himself, but only the messengers of, of Achaziahu. So that's what happens. Uh, and now we have the next verse. And now the prophecy continues. That is, the prophecy to Elijah is continuing. He hasn't done his mission yet. There's another part of the prophecy. Thus the Lord says, this bed that you have put yourself on, you're not going to get off that bed. Because you are going to die. And Elijah went on his way to say those words. So Elijah is given this mission, first to chastise uh, the king through his messengers. What are you going all the way to Eretz Philistine 
to inquire about your health. And by the way, you want to know what's going to happen to you? Well, you're not getting off that deathbed. You're going to stay on that bed until you pass away. So that's the message that Elijah is going to put over, uh, uh, bring forth. So it says now in verse, Hey, and the messengers came back to him. That is, the messengers never made it to Ekron because they were intercepted by Elijah. Obviously, the scripture doesn't have to tell us that Elijah fulfilled his mission. It's obvious from the narrative that the messengers are coming back to tell Ahaziah what happened. So it says the following, so the messengers came back to him, and he said to him, that is, the king said to the messengers, why have you come back? Verse 6, Vayomru, and they said, I love to him, a man came up towards us, and he said to us, go return to the king who sent you, and you shall speak to him. And this is what you should say, thus the word says, there is no God in Israel that you have to inquire of the Balzvuv, the God of Ekron. And therefore the bed that you ascended, it you're going to die on that bed. So the messengers are almost verbatim, verbatim, repeating the words of Elijah towards the king. So now the king knows what's going to happen to him, at least through the Jewish prophet. He ne- they never made it to the Balzvuv, the Lord of the Flies of the Philistines. So it says in verse 7, So the king asked him, what was the manner of the man who came towards you? That is, who was he? Because the obviously the messengers, didn't, they didn't identify him as Elijah the prophet. They didn't know who he was. Obviously, they were impressed by him because they did return from their mission. So they had to be affected by him, but they didn't know it was Elijah. So they asked, so so the king asked them, "Who was it?" You didn't say who it was. What did he look like? So now they describe him. Now who was this guy who came to you? So they said like this. This is how they answer the king. This is how they described Elijah. Ish Well, he was very very hairy, a lot of hair. And from this we know that Elijah might have been a Nazir, a Nazarite, as many holy men were in those days. They didn't cut their hair, uh, didn't drink wine and all the other laws of a Nazarite, and a Nazir. So some say because of that, Elijah was a Nazir. So they describe him as a Balsayar, a lot of hair. And he had this leather belt that around his waist. So, so this leather belt, that we didn't know about that belt. I mean, up to now, we, we heard about a little bit, Elijah had this mantle like a cape or a coat or something that he used a couple times in uh, throughout Kings 1. But now we say he has this leather belt. And according to the um, Midrash, in Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer, this leather belt was around his waist was taken from the ram that was sacrificed, sacrificed instead of Isaac on the Akedah. That is when Abraham was supposed to sacrifice his son Isaac um, Hashem told him not to do so, and Avram took a ram instead. And from that ram, that's where the leather belt comes from. So, you know, the Akedah, the sacrifice of Yitzchak, was always a symbol of self-sacrifice and misrut nefesh by Isaac and, and by Abraham. It was like that symbol. 
the ultimate symbol of misu nefesh. And maybe that's why Elijah has that, because Elijah really has a lot of misu nefesh. I mean, he's out there rebuking and running for his life at all times. Almost a one-man show against this uh, wicked Ahab and the house of Ahab. So maybe that's the significance of having this leather uh, belt from the ram that was used to replace Isaac. In any case, that's the description they gave. Vayomer, and the king said, this is the end of verse 8, Eliyahu HaTishbiu, hey, that's Elijah, the prophet you're talking about, Eliyahu HaTishbi. That's one of his names, Tishbi, of course, again, was a place on the east, side, east bank of the Jordan. So sometimes he's called Eliyahu HaTishbi. Again, the scripture doesn't call him Eliyahu, it calls him Eliyah. So that's, again, might be one of his names. So, it seems that the son of Achav, uh, Achaziahu here, this king here, he does know who Elijah was, just from the description, because while his messengers might not have seen Eliyahu around for a while, after Eliyahu has been fleeing Jezebel, he's out of circulation, the son of Achav here probably does know who he is, because Eliyahu spent a lot of time with Ahab, King Achav, so his son probably recognizes him by that description. So it says in verse 9, so what does uh, Achaziah do here? Well, he wants to capture Elijah. He wants to capture him, dead or alive. And, uh, you know, he's going the way of his mother Jezebel, right? So it says, he sent out a captain of 50 and 50 men. So he sends out a unit, a captain of 50 and 50 men. And what happened was the captain here went up to him. And he was sitting on the top of a mountain. That is, Elijah was sitting on the top of a mountain. And he spoke to him. And he tells Elijah, who's sitting on this mountain, Man of God, the king has spoken. Come down. So he's giving, he's giving Elijah a commandment. Now, it's interesting that this thing of Elijah sitting on a mountain, both the... Uh, that's so for him, and the commentator, the uh, Radak, mentioned that Eliyahu was probably spending a lot of time meditating. He was out of circulation, and his thing was to meditate. The Radak uses the word mitbodid. He was mitbodid, meditating, and that's why he was able to get so close to Hashem. How did these prophets become prophets? It wasn't just that they learned Torah, but they meditated and a kind of out-of-body experience. And uh, Arya Kaplan, in his book, Meditation on the Bible, expounds upon that. We saw that in chapter 18, when Elijah crouched and put his head between his knees until the rain came. This kind of meditative state he was in. And here he is on a mountain, maybe he was also doing meditation. So, you know, it before the uh, in, they did it in India, it seems like this meditation was a Jewish discipline, because that's what Elijah is described as doing a lot. He's meditating while um, it, it looks like Elisha, the prophet that he anointed earlier, the student, when he took his place, eventually, Elijah remained um, around, but he meditated a lot. That's what the Radak says on verse 7. So, he, the man of the head of the uh, 50 men, he tells Elijah, come down, O man of God. And it kind of is a little bit chutzpah. Now, it's interesting, he calls him a man of God. So, I mean, that's respectful, Daphne. You know, he's calling Elijah Ishelokim. But then again, he's also saying, come down, the king has spoken, which isn't really respectful. And so, what does Elijah answer him in verse 10? Vayane Eliyahu. 
And Eliyahu answered him, And he said to the captain of the 50, If I'm a man of God, then let fire come from the heaven and consume you. And the rest of your 50 men. And sure enough, fire came down from the heaven. And it consumed him and his 50 men. Well, that's pretty amazing. Eliyahu is, just like he did on Mount Carmel, he's bringing fire from the heavens. This time he's bringing it to burn the soldiers of King Chaziyahu. Now, according to the Barbanel, when Eliyahu uh, brought down the fire, he warned them first. Like he said, that if I'm a truly a man of God, then let a fire come down. That is, he was giving him a chance to escape and to flee the fire. The, the, the Barbanel says that he was saying that if I'm a man of God, as you say, because they called him a man of God, so the Abarbanel says what Eliyahu was saying, that if truly I am indeed a man of God, that means I am not subservient to the king who gave that order, because you said the king gave an order to come down. Well, you called me an Elishalokim, a man of God. I don't have to listen to the king, because I listen to the king of kings, the Lord Almighty. And therefore, I don't have to listen to that. And therefore, if you don't respect that, let fire come down and consume you. So, that's kind of a way of explaining Eliyahu's response before he brings the fire down. Okay, verse 11. We see that Achaziyahu is not deterred. Either he doesn't know what happened to the first 50, they're burnt to a crisp, he might not know about it, you know? So, it says in verse 11, So what did Achaziyahu do? He sent another 50. And 50 men were the captain of the 50. And he said the following, Ishalokim, man of God, So says the king, come down quickly. Well, this uh, second uh, contingent that came to Elijah, it's a little bit different. First of all, this captain did not go up. The first one, it said, He actually went up towards the mountain. This, uh, this captain here of the second contingent of the 50, he's kind of keeping his distance, doesn't go up, kind of yells, from his, from down there, and he says, "Come down quickly." But he does add quickly. The other captain did not say quickly. He just said, "Come down." Here we have a guy say Mahera, which is a chutzpah. There's still chutzpah. So Achaziyahu is sending out his his chutzpah soldiers first. You know, the ones that are really into the idol worship and really loyal to him, and they're speaking to Elijah kind of with uh, azut, with uh, brazenness. So Eliyahu answered and he said, and again, he's called here Eliyah and not Eliyahu, but the English remains as Elijah. He raised his voice and he said, If I am a man of God, as you say, then let fire fall from heaven and consume you. And your 50 men. And now it says, not just a fire came down, but an enormous fire came down. Like a fire of God came down from the, from the heavens. And it consumed him and his 50 men. So we see that the second contingent was also burned up. We see that the second captain was not as audacious as the first. 
because he tried to stand at a safe distance where the fire could not reach him. And Elijah let him know that he is still vulnerable to God's fire. And before we send out the third contingent, Achaziah sends out that third contingent, we're going to stop here while things are really hot.